Welcome to Transparent Homeschooling. I'm your host, Carla Givens. Today's show is all about unit studies. I've been really excited about this one. I've always been interested in unit studies, even though I may not have always really realized that that's what they're called. When I used to teach preschool and pre-K and kindergarten, I would always choose a central topic or book and I would plan everything we did that day, even the snack usually, I would plan it around that specific topic. And essentially that's what a unit study is. And I think it's probably common to do that in the early grades like that, but it's also very beneficial to do them through you know, elementary school, middle school, even into high school, because when you do things this way, you really get to dive deep into a specific topic really learning it from all angles and also you're really able to to dive deep into the topics that your kids are interested in while pulling all of the subjects that there are even subjects that they may not be as interested in but you're able to tie them into something that they are interested in and that's so cool that is what is so cool about unit studies and i'm planning to get back into that a little bit more in our own homeschool we're at the end of December right now. Christmas is next week. I only have one more episode after this one for the year, and I'm planning next semester. We're going to take a couple weeks off from school and from the podcast, just from everything. And then next semester, I'm going to change a few things in my own homeschool. I'm going to implement some of these things that I've been learning from other people and some of the things I've been researching. And I'm going to have some new guests on the show and new topics, and so I'm just really excited looking forward into this new year. So let me tell you about the guest that I have today. Her name is Nicole Bluebaugh. She is from Book Led Learning over on, over on Instagram, and you will see why it's called Book Led Learning. She is all about books. She loves books. Everything that she does in her own homeschool and in her life is just based around whatever books that they are reading. And when you listen to her talk, you're just gonna you're just gonna want to dive into a book and love books too. She is an Usborne consultant, so that's actually how I met her. I attended another friend's Usborne party, and I bought some books. And then Nicole noticed my um, transparent homeschooling email account, and she said she looked me up and listened to the podcast and really liked it. And so we became instant friends. And I found out that she was really into unit studies, and so I asked her to be on the show because I thought that was something that would be fun to talk to talk about. And she was so much fun to talk to. I would love to have her on again. We just instantly connected and were able to really chat. And like I've said so many times before, that's what's been so great about this podcast is just the the connections I've made with new people and with people that I haven't spoken to in a while. So once again, reach out if you're listening. Let me know that you're listening. Also, let me know what you guys want to to listen to in the future. Nicole, on the show today, she gave a lot of good resources. She talked about a lot of books, a lot about the things that she's doing. So I'm going to attach all of that in the show notes so you guys don't miss any of that. Guys, hope you enjoy listening to Transparent Homeschooling with Nicole from Book Led Learning. Thanks for joining me today. How are you? Thanks for having me. Wonderful. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I always start with introductions. So just talk a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your family, and just what you do. So um, my family lives in Las Vegas, Nevada, and my husband and I have been married for almost 16 years, and we have two boys, Nate and Austin. Nate just turned 11, and Austin is five and a half. And... um, I am a homeschool mom of seven years now, which is so crazy to say, but I actually started off as a public school teacher in Las Vegas. Um, I taught for six years um, in elementary school. I knew really early on before I even had my first son that homeschooling was a very real possibility for us. So uh, that's kind of the start of our journey. So many teachers have become homeschoolers. Do you think that that's kind of what led you to that decision with so, the public yeah. school system? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't have a very specific memory of why, but I remember sometime during my first year of teaching, I started thinking about homeschooling. And this was five years before I had my first kid. So I, I don't know what prompted it exactly, but... I obviously had a feeling maybe I was, you know, watching a TV show or reading something that kind of jogged the idea of 
homeschooling, you know, or put that into my mind, but it kind of stuck after that. And I had, and I think I communicated that to family and I had, you know, uh, my cousin um, started asking me about homeschooling before I even had kids because she had kids that were of an age where she wanted to homeschool. And I was like, you know, I'm really interested in it, but I don't know if I have enough information to really share with you. But I obviously had made it known that that was something that, you know, was important to me, even though I was teaching at the time. So, um, yeah. Okay. Is there a large homeschool community where you are? Um, I would say yes. I've never had a problem finding people to do things with. Um, I don't know how it compares to other cities across the United States, but yeah, I would say there's uh, quite a large homeschool community here. Um, Las Vegas's school district is not known to be one of the best, so um, it's not surprising um, that that's the case here. Um, but yeah, there's there's quite a large community here. And so there's definitely no shortage of socialization right. here in Las Vegas for anybody that's looking for it. Yeah, it's the same here. I mean, in Tennessee, it's it seems like it's almost more common to homeschool than to go to public school. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Especially this year, but even even before. Oh, for so, sure. I always wonder how it is other places. Cause I know, especially in some of the rural areas, I think it's harder to find co-ops and things. Are you, you're involved in a co-op, right? Um, yeah, a really small one right now with just two other families, um, two other larger families than ours. Um, but we've been involved in something the entire time that we've been homeschooling, um, to varying degrees and different things. But yeah, we are in, um, a co-op where we do more academic things, but then we also have a nature group that I kind of organize as well. So yeah, I want to start a nature group, especially after talking to Nikki last week. Yes. So maybe you can give me some advice with that too. Absolutely. <laughs> so what would you say your home st- your homeschooling style or like just the way you do things? How, how would you classify that? I would say that we're eclectic, but leaning more towards self-directed unschooling. Um, definitely more heavy on the unschooling, but eclectic because, you know, I don't think anybody's really truly just one thing. It's kind of hard to be one thing, but um, yeah, we're pretty relaxed around here um, and very centered around books. So if that's, you know, a category, that's our category. (laughs) Yes. I love that. So I've been learning a lot more about unschooling and um, I'm realizing that it looks completely different for everybody. Everybody kind of has their own definition of what that is. So what does that look like for you? Kind of describe a typical day, like when you stay at home. So um, for example, today, I always try to have some time where we read together. I guess some people would kind of call it like a morning basket type of thing. Um, I don't call it that. Um, And it's not always as planned out as some people's morning baskets, but I just grab a stack of books. Um, Sometimes it's books that we're reading a little bit from every day. And sometimes it's just whatever the latest picture books are that we're kind of, you know, working through or whatever. that is the minimum is that we do some reading together. And I usually do that around a meal time or a snack time because, you know, five and a half year old that's got a lot of energy needs something to keep him busy. Um, But um, today they pulled out a game that had been, you know, a birthday present that we hadn't played before. So we spent probably two hours just playing a game today. That wasn't something I planned. Um, That was completely them getting it out and saying, Hey mom, I want to play. Um, they'll have some independent uh, math time or reading time, just kind of depending on their needs. But there's a lot of time that they just work on their own projects or just play together. So I don't have a very structured day. I keep trying to add a little more structure to our day, but it always seems to fall apart. That's something that I'm trying to figure out if we need that or not. Um But I don't know, it always just comes back to reading books, playing games together, um, making sure we get outside, um, you know, some and, you know, Lego projects, and it just kind of varies, um, whatever they're into at the time. And usually there's some sort of unit study that we're kind of working on at the time. So (laughs) we are going to get into that. Yes. (laughs) I love that. So let's talk a little bit about being outside in your nature group before we get into that. What is the weather like in Nevada or Nevada? I'm saying it wrong. I've never said it that way before. What's the weather like in Nevada? (laughs) 
the summers are really hot. We had a pretty hot summer this year, like um, 115 was, you know, like our highs, which you will still go outside. Um, yeah, but uh, it's harder in the summer. Um, winters are pretty mild. Um, like we've been in the sixties, maybe high fifties, like during the day. And it's generally just pretty sunny. Most of the time we don't get a lot of rain, so we don't have to really deal with that. So, um, if anything, wind is the thing that gets me the most weather wise, especially in the winter time, I don't do the wind and cold very well, but, um, it, I mean, it does get hot. So it's just kind of timing things. Or, you know, we have um, mountains that are like within an hour drive. So we'd spend a lot of time up there in the summers. And then we do more things down in the valley where it's warmer in like the cooler, you know, months or whatever, or we just go in the morning. So we just kind of adjust to, you know, whatever the weather is for the season. So. Okay. What about your nature group? Is it kind of just free play or is it more structured? Do you have a specific time you get together? How does that work? Um, Right now for this particular group, it's not a very big group. Um, we meet twice a month and we generally meet in the morning and uh, for a couple of hours, it could end up being four or five hours. It just kind of depends. So um, we just pick a location and sometimes it's a hiking trail. Sometimes it's more a place that lends to just kind of hanging out in one spot and the kids, you know, play around or whatever. Um, we have a pretty broad range of ages and um, kids that are not really young enough to be carried the whole way. Um, and so like longer hikes don't really work as well right now. I'd like to get back to that, but it just kind of, I don't know, it just varies. Like everybody's pretty relaxed and, you know, it's just like, okay, as long as we can see you like stay within our site or whatever. And we're, we've all done nature together for a while. So we kind of, you know, know like what everybody's comfort zone is. So um, I've run a pretty large nature group in the past. I got a little burned out on trying to manage that, but um, I opened it up for like any homeschoolers in Las Vegas and we kind of did it the same way. It was just on a larger scale. So yeah, okay. awesome. but nature's always been part of our homeschool. So because I tried to go hiking with my oldest when he was like four and it's really hard to drag a four-year-old without any fun, you know, friends to kind of make it fun. And so I was like, we need to find some people to do this with us. Yeah. And so that's how it started. So when you have other people with you, do you do anything to make it fun? Do you come with like scavenger hunts or anything like that? Or do you just let them explore and play? Um, some people do, but that's not really my personality. That feels like too much work and prep and planning, <laughs> honestly. Um, and my kids tend to not want to do those types of things when they're outdoors. They like to just roam. And so being focused on an activity is less of an interest for them. So that's kind of more how I work things. But sometimes other moms might bring an activity, but that hasn't necessarily been like a requirement or anything. So. So after seeing all of your Instagram posts, that surprises me a little bit because I've seen some amazing things that you have put together. So that's what, let's talk about that now. So unit studies, that's something I've done a little bit of in the past, especially with younger kids, which it may not be exactly what a unit study is, but I would, I would take a book and the whole day would be tied around that book. So we would do a craft that went along with it. We learn words from the book. We would maybe do a snack or something like that. Is that, is that kind of what a unit study is? Yeah, so it's it's the same idea, you know, centering around either a topic or a book and then, you know, doing all the different, you know, subjects or crafting, just a lot of different things around that one thing. And that's essentially like what unit studies are to me. But I have kind of, I don't know, I guess a more relaxed, um, you could say lazier approach that works really well for our family. So I, when my oldest son was, um, for when we started homeschooling. He wasn't really school age yet. So I was trying to figure out, you know, like, what do we want to do? I don't need to be worried about standards and all of that. Um, you know, cause I still kind of had teacher brain going on, like thinking I, you know, whatever, but I'm like, okay, I don't have, there's no pressure right now. He's not even a kindergartner yet. So I started by picking a topic that he was interested in and we would just get a bunch of books about that topic. And, you know, maybe, do some fun activities and whatever. He was never a kid that really liked crafts. And so we tended to not go in that direction, but anything that was 
you know, building Legos, you know, whatever. So I kind of just took his interests and tailored things around that, but it was always centered around reading for us. So um, he had a, you know, has always had a really good attention span for chapter books, even at a young age. So usually even for a nonfiction topic, um, something science related or whatever, like let's say penguins, his favorite animal, I would pick a chapter book of some kind. Um, probably at the time it would have been like a Jack and Annie magic tree house book or something. And then we would read that, that would capture his interest. And then we would tie in, um, you know, all different kinds of nonfiction resources. I would pull up, um, documentaries, you know, we don't have an aquarium to see penguins in Las Vegas, but you know, if there were any sort of field trips or anything that I could tie in, um, if there was music, I would just kind of, you know, think about all the different areas that I could tie in. And I don't tie in every area for every unit study. Um, it just kind of depends on what's available and what makes sense, um, for that particular topic. I don't okay. know if I'm explaining that well enough because it's all kind of just in my head. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a paper planner, but I also do a lot of planning inside my head, but it always starts with books and me just going crazy with re um, requesting things from the library. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of like the spine is books and then everything else just kind of comes in yeah. No, I think you did a great job explaining it. That sounds great. Do you, do you do a curriculum, a set curriculum for any subjects? Like, do you do anything for just math or grammar or anything like that? Or is it pretty much all just whatever ties in? We have curriculum on hand, but we don't do anything um, like by the book or like necessarily really regularly. Like, for example, right now we have some different things for math, but it's kind of like when this suits us, then we use it. It's not like we're going to do a math lesson from this curriculum every day. So, yeah, it's very relaxed. It kind of I feel like it scares people to hear me like say that we don't really follow a curriculum because it is kind of scary, you know, or whatever. Um, there's a lot of trust that goes into doing it that way. Um, but as far as the unit studies go, um, my oldest son is very, um, things have to matter to him for him to be willing to do it. And that sounds like a difficult, like child and a difficult student. And it, and it could be if he was, you know, forced to do something, you know, um, like in school, if he was sitting in a classroom and somebody said, you have to write this story about this thing. And it ha absolutely like meant nothing to him. That would have been a huge roadblock. And so I've learned to kind of work around that and to tailor um, our homeschooling to his need for that. And it works really well. Now, my youngest son, I'm still kind of figuring out like what his learning style is because he's only kindergarten age. But um, so the unit studies were really tailored towards that. I would never sit down and plan out a schedule for the unit study, which again, probably sounds really scary to not have a solid like plan or a timeline. I would just plan books and all the things that we could do as a resource for me. And then I would start reading. It would always start with reading the chapter book and then we would read some of the nonfiction books. And then it's like, oh, I have this activity. Is this something that you're interested in doing? I learned early on trying to do like the preschool crafts that it was kind of a waste of my time to prepare those things for him. And so I stopped preparing things ahead of time because he could just be like, nope, I'm not doing that. So this is kind of our adjustment, you know, whatever, but it works so well, um, even for my youngest too. So we might spend, you know, four to six weeks on a topic that he's absolutely, I say he, because my older son's kind of, you know, more the one that I've done these with really, you know, he's really into something. And so we dive in and maybe we go in a direction that I didn't even anticipate, you know, so I end up checking out more books or looking for other resources along the way, or maybe I find out, okay, this isn't really all that interesting. And we, you know, read for a couple of weeks on something and I can tell that their interest is, you know, waning and then we kind of taper off and then we move on to the next thing. So it's, it's, uh, it's very, you know, organic, I guess, you know, I, I just kind of listen to their cues and, you know, they'll tell me if they like something or not. And, um, 
I'm not going to force them to do more of something because I think it's important because they're not going to get anything out of it if we keep pushing because I think it's important if they don't. So, okay. Yeah. So has it been difficult to transition to that mindset after being a school teacher and how did that happen? Really? Honestly, like I'm a very type A person. Like I usually want to know in advance what is going to happen. I, I need to know like what's going on. So it's, it's kind of surprising that this works so well for me too, because I wouldn't do it this way if it didn't also work for me. I also, I think it's important that you know, yes, we consider what our kids need as learners, but if it's not working for mom, it's not going to work for anybody. (laughs) So, um, I thought that I would be the kind of homeschooler that, you know, would need to check off all the boxes because that's what I had to do as a teacher. And that's, you know, how I live certain parts of my life. But I think once we started doing things that way and it just, just felt so natural and it took a lot of stress away from me as the homeschool parent, because one, I wasn't having to force my oldest to do things that he really either wasn't ready to do or wasn't interested in doing and just really went along with his interests and seeing the growth and the excitement for learning, which is really kind of our overarching um, mission for our family as homeschoolers to like let our kids love learning and to continue that throughout their entire lives. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a a weird switch. And I also think in some ways um, maybe it's me rebelling against the system a little bit because my kids have never taken a test. Um, Even my 11 year old, like he doesn't, I don't know what he would do if he took a test because he doesn't have any sort of, I don't know, you know, that's just not how we do things. Yeah. Um, so far in the other direction, but, um, it just kind of happened accidentally and naturally. And I think I read some books about it, but didn't even know it was unschooling. And, but I was like, oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, this is kind of what we're doing already. And I just didn't even think about it that way. So, Mm yeah. Yeah. We kind of, I mean, so it's funny that you say you're type A, but this works better for you. I'm kind of the (laughs) opposite. I am more of like a go with the flow type of person, like everything that you just said sounds so nice to me and some days we are more like that but then I start to get nervous that I need to be more of a schedule check all the boxes type of person for them like sometimes I worry that they're going to be unorganized or they're like just certain things like that and so we kind of we kind of have a mix we use a classical curriculum for most Mm -hmm. things which is kind of a rigorous curriculum but I use it in more of a relaxed way you know I don't check the boxes and I don't have them stand up and do all the recitation and all of that but they're learning so much and it's very literature based that's actually the big reason I chose it because it's very literature and latin based but I take such a I guess, as you would say, like a lazier go with the flow mm-hmm. approach to it, even though they do a lot, but we, um, we kind of go at our own pace. Sometimes I worry that I'm not doing enough. So it helps to hear, it, it just helps to hear people who do things this way, you know, which I, I think I would have trouble doing it completely. Just not, I mean, I'm sure they would love it and do great with it. I think that I would just be nervous that I wasn't doing enough. Do you ever feel that way? I do sometimes, but I've kind of realized that I start feeling nervous when I hear other people expressing their concerns, especially now that my oldest is 11. I mean, he still only would be a fifth grader this year, so he's still in elementary school, but he has some middle school friends and I have some friends with high schoolers. And so I'm hearing their concerns as their kids are getting older and closer to high school or closer to college. And what do I need to do to make sure they're prepared? So some of that I internalize and I'm like, oh, maybe I should be doing something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there are concerns because it's like, you know, if my kids, well, if he, you know, suddenly needed to go into a public school classroom, then yeah, he's, he's going to be higher in, than fifth grade level in some things and lower in some things and maybe right on, you know, but that's also, I think we forget that public school kids are not exactly on a grade level either, but it's just looked at in such a different way. Um, And the, like the deficiencies are highlighted so much 
that it feels like such a negative thing because that's what they focus on. Oh, your kid is not at grade level in reading or in math. There must be something wrong, but I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I mean, sometimes, yes, there could be a learning disability or something more, but I think that a lot of kids just need to do things in their own time. And with him, especially, you know, we might think that he was ready for something long before he did something, but as soon as he decided he was ready, he got it instantly. So it's like, what if I had pushed him too early to do that thing, you know, reading or riding his bike or whatever. And then he hated it. And all he needed was an extra six months or an extra year. We took, you know, a really, we basically haven't, didn't do any writing for a long time because writing was a huge stressor. We have some catching up to do, but I'm confident because he's such a self-motivated learner and he learns quickly and well when it's meaningful to him that he will get to where he needs to be because nobody's going to ask him when he's 25, you know, could you write, you know, this when you were in fifth grade, was your handwriting good when you're in fifth grade? I mean, who's like, there's so many people that their handwriting is still awful, you know, when they're adults, but so it's like, when you think about it in like the long, you know, like the long view, as adults, does anybody ever ask us those things? And how important is the age that we started reading or the age that we did this certain thing? So it's like all the standards and the grades are just arbitrary in my mind. So I, but, but it's hard because if there's, if there's a chance that your kid might go back into the public school system, you know, there's concerns, are they going to be able to keep up, you know, so the concerns are valid, but I think that, For me, reading stories of other unschoolers that have had kids go through high school and and go on, you know, whatever they do after that, that really helps me see that, you know, it is possible for us to do it this way. We just have to have an incredible amount of trust because we can't see right now what the end result is going to be. We have to trust that whatever our kids need to do to get to whoever they're going to be as adults or whatever they want to do as their job or career that they will be able to get there whatever way it takes. So, yeah. Definitely. yeah. So do you reckon, do you have any book recommendations for moms that are like thinking about going down that path? So there's um, an unschooler from Australia. Her name is Sue Elvis. Um, she has an Instagram account. I'm not going to be able to remember her handle right now, um, but she has a couple of self-published books that are on Amazon. I'll get you that information um, to share after, but she, I can't remember if she has six or eight kids, but her last one is um, like 16 or 17. And so all the rest of her kids are grown. Um, One of them, I've bought some of her um, self-published books. So she's an author, you know, and her other kids have gone on to do all these other things. So she's a really good person to look to for like, what can this look like all the way through and afterwards? Um, So that's been really helpful. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, but there are, there are, you know, books about unschooling out there. I think Pam Laricchia um, has a podcast and some books as well about unschooling. I haven't um, followed her stuff quite as much, but um, there's a lot of resources out there if you're, you know, if anyone's interested in finding out more and, you know, seeing that it is scary, but you you know, it is possible to let go and that it can still be okay. Um, Another book recommendation that's not homeschooling specific, but more self-directed child kind of thing is um, the self-driven child. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you heard of that one? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good one just for every, everyday life. (laughs) Yeah. I have a list of books. I, so I read, I love books too. I read a lot, not as much as I would like to, since I have four kids and I'm really focused on, you know, what they're doing and reading. But, um, so let's go into the Harry Potter unit study. So (laughs) I want to ask you about that. Do you, so, I mean, when you say that you don't really put a lot of effort into planning, (laughs) when I see all these pictures, it definitely looks like you do. And does the Harry Potter, is that like your, is that your interest or is that your son's or is it like a mix? My 10 year old loves Harry Potter. Okay. So the Harry Potter, um, things that I've shared about 
were not actually planned as unit studies. Okay. Um, so that's actually not something that we did just at home, like within our family. We read the books aloud, um, but in our second year of homeschooling, we were part of a small co-op and um, I, I've loved Harry Potter ever since I read it. So it is kind of my interest initially, but um, I was reading the first bu book with my oldest. He was probably six at the time. And I was like, you know what? Hey, you, do you guys all like in my co-op, do you want to do like a Harry Potter camp like over the summer for three days? And so I kind of talked these other unsuspecting moms <laughs> into going along with my crazy idea that we were going to take the first Harry Potter book. So it almost was essentially like a book club, a crazy book club. Um, if, if you're familiar with a uh, brave writer at all, they call it party school. I didn't know about brave writer at the time, but it's kind of the same thing, but book club, but like, just, I don't know, <laughs> off the wall, like crazy, whatever. Um, so all of the planning things that you saw with my Harry Potter stuff was not necessarily me alone. Um, <laughs> because yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to pull off. Like I don't have the energy for that by myself. Um, I just have a lot of resources at my house after years of doing this, but we did, we planned a three-day camp based on the first book. I just outlined the book and we just picked like big events and things like from the book and we basically recreated it. We did, you know, a sort, we did feasts, we did, you know, getting on the train, we made um, a platform nine and three quarters, we being one of the other moms. Um, and so we started that and then the next summer, um, we've done all the books now. Sometimes it was one book, sometimes we grouped three books together over three days. It just kind of depended on the schedule and whatever. So we've done the entire Harry Potter series in camps like that, really, really like detailed and whatever. But that ended two summers ago, we kind of finished, but you know, other people were wanting to still do Harry Potter things and I wasn't quite ready to let go of it. And so we kind of just have a Harry Potter club where it's just one day for a couple of hours. Some of the kids have read you know, all the books, some have only read the first book, some have only seen the movie. So it's a little more relaxed and we just kind of get into the Harry Potter world for a few hours and do some fun activities. So we've been doing that for a couple of years too. So I don't know. Yeah. I yeah, even have a Harry, Harry Potter Christmas tree downstairs. <laughs> oh, fun. oh, we love Harry Potter over here. So that sounds really fun. I love getting ideas like that. So <laughs> So I, I mean, I know I said I'm kind of a go with the flow or kind of lazy with things, but I actually love coming up with things like that. I love like planning parties and like crafts and stuff like that. Three of my kids loves, love crafts. One of them hates them. So, <laughs> <laughs> but as I'm hearing you talk about all this and it sounds so interesting and so much fun, but I'm also thinking with multiple kids, all of mine are so different and have so many different interests. How could you do how could you do this with so many, like so many different interests? Like, would you still just pick one like family book or, you know what I so, mean? Um, obviously I don't have the same situation because I only have two kids and they're both boys and not to say that them both being boys makes it super easy, but you know, there's a lot of interests that overlap. Um, but this is really the first year where I'm planning more with my youngest in mind. He's always kind of just been a tag along and, you know, he was always part of everything else we were doing, but he was too young for me to really tailor it to him. And it does make it tricky if you're letting them, you know, and I didn't kind of explain that, that sometimes I pick the topic based on something they've either told me that they're interested in, or that I just think they would be interested in. Sometimes I do pick the topic. But sometimes they've come to me and said, I want to do a unit study about this, you know, whatever it is. Um, but so this year I wanted to start on um, American history, which is not so much for a five-year-old, but there's always plenty of picture books, you know, about different things. So I, he's getting kind of, you know, the five-year-old version where he's picking up a few things along the way. Um, but it's a little more geared towards my older son and I'll have chapter books that I do with just him. So I'm kind of reworking um, how to do that on, you know, two age levels here, you know, with them being five years apart um, and being at completely different stages as far as what they can handle and what they're interested in. So I don't know if I have the best answer to that question yet, but I think it is possible to, you know, pick something that all your kids would, you know, 
a topic they would need to cover or whatever. And obviously, you know, with a read aloud, depending on what your age range is, you know, a chapter book read aloud may be less appropriate for the younger kids, but maybe they're just, you know, around or in the room, but you don't really worry about them picking up, you know, whatever it is so much. And you just offer them a few things that are more for their, you know, age level to work on while you're doing other things, or, or maybe you focus just on, you know, your older kids, you know, and maybe the other kids aren't doing a unit study at the same time. And we don't do unit studies just back to back to back to back to back. That would be exhausting. <laughs> um, because I've noticed that, and I think this is just true for people in general, that our interests kind of go up and down. So nobody's, I mean, well, I take that back. There can be kids or people that are just absolutely obsessed with something constantly, but I think the amount of our interest kind of goes up and down. And so we might do a unit study and really focus in on something for a while. And then we might just not have anything specific that we're focusing on to kind of take a little bit of a break. And then we'll have a specific topic again um, that we kind of jump into um, again. And sometimes I would alternate history with like more of a science topic to kind of mix it up. So Oh, this is definitely got the wheels turning, so. <laughs> <laughs> which I love our curriculum, but there are certain parts, especially for my eight-year-old that just aren't really that fun for him. And so I'm really, I'm, I'm also really big on trying to, to, you know, tailor to their interest and their level. Cause he's like super advanced in math. And then, you know, he doesn't really like reading. I love reading and my oldest loves reading. And so that's kind of hard sometimes. So it's like, and I think that reading is really important. So I'm always trying to find books that kind of pique his interest a little bit more or trying to find fun ways to get what we're doing, like to get him more interested in it. So yeah. you've definitely got piques of interest here. And I've been, I've been enjoying looking at all your pictures too. So <laughs> I want to see that Harry Potter Christmas tree. Yes. <laughs> so what has been, what do you think has been your favorite unit study that you've done? Oh, I actually asked my kids today, um, right before I got in here with you. And, um, well, my oldest, I, he pretty much loves anything with books, so he's not too picky, but, um, he said some of his favorites were nights. He actually asked me to do a night unit. Uh, I don't know if it was three or four different years. And oh. this was kind of before my youngest was old enough to really participate because he was just really into that. And that's also something I love a time period. I love, but we didn't do the same things every time. So it's like, okay, we did, you know, the little kid version of nights the first year. And then the next year we, you know, explored something a little different. And, and the last year that we did nights was my absolute favorite. I was like, okay, we've done nights several years in a row. Now, what are we going to do? That's different. I want to dig into King Arthur. So, um, since he will listen to just about any audiobooks or me reading, we actually read, um, the sword in the stone from the once and future King, which is like, I don't know, like a pretty advanced book, but he'll, he can listen to a lot of stuff. So it's like, okay, we're going to go with this. And then we, I found the most amazing picture books about King Arthur and, and, and sometimes you know, I know that I want to plan a unit study about something and I might have a spine in mind, but I don't necessarily know exactly, you know, everything, all the resources that I'm going to pull. Sometimes I go on Pinterest and I'll find all the things about whatever the topic is, but sometimes I literally just search my library and find things that I was not expecting. So I don't plan for everything. There's a lot of room for things to kind of, um, I don't know, pop up unexpectedly, but also space has been a favorite that we've done multiple years on different levels and, you know, different topics. So, and he said he liked American history and I was kind of thinking that he wasn't super into it, but apparently he was. So oh, <laughs> I guess we'll fun. be continuing more of that um, probably yeah. after Christmas. So. so let's explore some of these a little bit, especially the one about knights because King right. Arthur is on our list to read this year. It's actually part of the Memoria Press um, sixth grade curriculum. But okay. since my oldest is lit, she's doing the fifth grade accelerated. She's a little advanced reading and that is actually on our list to read. And I wasn't really sure if that's something that she would be interested in. I was thinking my eight-year-old probably will be. Right. So I wanted to actually do that kind of together. So give me some ideas. What all did you guys do? So I actually pulled up, I have a bullet journal. I'll show you, but oh, <laughs> um, 
this is how I do my planning if, if I actually write anything down. But um, so kind of our main thing, like I said, was the once in future king, but that might not be for all kids because I think that's actually considered an adult book, not a book for kids. Um, I'd have to check on that, but um, there's nothing wrong with kids listening to it. It's just like written at a higher level and not every kid would want to like sit through that. And there's going to be a lot of different um, versions of the sword in the stone. So you could really find something else, you know, that was suitable if that one in particular didn't work. Um, so I'd have to go back and like look for sure, but I have written down Arthur of Albion. I might be saying that wrong. Um, I, I found like the most beautiful picture books. Um, and I think I had just searched on Pinterest, like I said, and even some just with my library, but I just fell in love with these picture books and I really want to revisit that again. But um, Arthur of Albion, Tales of Camelot. And then um, I found um, Excalibur, Legend of um, King Arthur graphic novel um, from Usborne. And then there's just like some different like stories about Lancelot and Excalibur and young Guinevere and young Lancelot. There's so much out there. There's picture books, there's chapter books on all different levels. Um, oh, another good thing is if you want to tie in math, the circumference um, math series. Have you read oh, those? No. Um, so they're math books written about like all different kinds of geometry topics, but they're written like, um, you know, King Arthur and like Lancelot and whatever are kind of like the main characters, but they're really clever about how they write them so that they're tying in all this math vocabulary. Okay. I think there's about, I don't know, 10 of them or something now. There's a bunch, but they're great. Oh, cool. um, and then of course, there's so many different movies you can watch. We always, you know, try to find a movie that ties into something and we'll watch the Disney movies, but we'll watch, you know, some of the other things too. Um, there's so many different King Arthur movies for kids. Um, and then we have a lot of Legos at our house. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> and castles. Like I have my brother's old castle Legos from like the 90s. And so we took those and we're building, you know, he built like his own castle and we studied, you know, how to build castles. And, you know, so there's so much you can tie in in so many different areas. There's tons of games that tie into, you know, that we love Dragonwood, Castle Keep. Um, I think there's one called Carcassonne and then in Las Vegas. So this is such a Las Vegas thing, but I know other places might have something similar, but there's something called Tournament of the Kings. It's like this show, it's like a dinner show where they have all these people on horses coming and doing kind of like, I don't know, it's sort of King Arthur, but it's a little, you know, different story. But so that was kind of our like, culminating field trip that we did um for that unit so yeah I don't know That's it's fun. it's really fun there's so many things you can tie into that and go crazy with it um <laughs> if if your kids are interested enough to just I don't know completely go into it like that so yeah I'm definitely gonna look at some of those because the book that she's reading right now she's really not that into so I wish that I had tried to find some more fun things to go with it but um, I'm kind of like, once you start, once we start something, we're going to finish it, even if right. we don't love it. So I don't, and I don't know how, and maybe that's like the school teacher in me, but, but I did tell her when we're done with this book, then we're going to, we're going to do something really fun for reading. Cause she loves reading and she reads so much on her own. She's actually reading Harry Potter right now. And she's waiting hopefully for Christmas. She wants the next series of her warrior cats books. That's mm. what, I don't know if you're familiar with those, but she's on like, I don't know what series of that one, but there's, there's a bunch of different ones. So, but she loves reading and she loves fantasy. So she also likes history too, but I'm hoping we can, um, that that one will be fun for her and we can make that fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll, if I think of anything that would be maybe a little bit more of an interest for a girl along those lines, I'll, um, send it your way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm wanting to talk to, so I'm really trying to do more because we just have so much trouble getting every Thing that I want to do accomplish. Like there's just some days where, cause I mean, I have a 10 year old, eight year old, a four year old and a two year old and we have lots of animals. And so it's just some days I feel like I'm spending most of my day, like potty training a two year old house training a puppy and just cleaning up messes and dealing with tantrums. And it's just hard to, to get all of the stuff done that I want to get done, even if it's not even that much, you know? So I think that if I can do more of like a family unit study together with certain things, especially with reading, I think that that, that would help. And if we could 
to make that fun. We're doing that with Christmas stuff right now. And yeah. it's going really well. We're been, we've been doing Christmas around the world oh. and we've been tying in all kinds of different subjects with that. And it's been so much fun. And I feel like they've been learning a lot more than when we were just going through our books each day. So we'll sit at the dinner table and I'll have them tell my, my husband, um, you know, what all they learn and they'll just go through and like talk about all of these things that they learned about this country and not just about the Christmas aspect of it, but about, you know, the geography and the culture and Mm -hmm. uh, like music and everything. And so I'm like, "Hmm, maybe there's something to this. Maybe we should do this more often, not just at Christmas, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Do you do anything with like music and art or cooking or anything like that? I know it's hard to do it all, Um, but. Well, art is definitely not uh, my thing. That's something I kind of outsource. And luckily we're doing art in our co-op right now. So I don't feel as guilty about not getting to art. Um, And I haven't really done a lot with music. Um, So there's definitely things that I know other people do that, you know, isn't necessarily what we focus on as much, but not that I wouldn't want that for my kids, but that's just maybe not my strength. Um, so, you know, if there's music that ties in, like when we did our space unit, there's a really great, um, now I'm going to forget the name of it. There's like classical music that was composed about each of the planets. And so we would listen to that, um, you know, to tie in with the space unit. So if there's something music wise, it would be something like that. Um, but I haven't done a whole lot necessarily like focusing on that. If it's more like, if it kind of pulls in with whatever we we're doing, like if we're studying Japan or China, like we would, you know, learn about some of the art and music that has to do with that. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. So see, now I wish that we lived close to each other because (laughs) I could do the art and music and you could do like the science and history and all that. Cause those are not my strong suit. Like science, I, that's the one that I can just never get to. And I do not know how to teach it. (laughs) So science for me in the past has mostly just been more of a unit study that didn't involve a lot of science experiments, but also having younger kids, I could kind of get away with that a little bit more. But my oldest had been asking to do chemistry. And so I'm like, okay, this is the year we have to do chemistry in some form, but he didn't want something that was going to take the whole year or be like really intense. You know, he's only 11. So I found a book through Usborne that I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. It's already done for me. You know, um, there's science experiments in here. It's called the chemistry of Coca-Cola. Oh, I saw that on your Instagram. I thought it was really cool. Okay. We just finished it up. We've been doing some of the experiments in our co-op and then some of it at home. So um, kind of balancing out, but kind of having us going along in co-op, I'm like, okay, we need to keep up with this or whatever. But um, we didn't read it cover to cover because some of the science in there is kind of like higher level even, you know, for him. So it, it's really interesting, but some of it I think we'll come back to later. But then we just tie in again, my unit study mindset grab other books about chemistry. So we yeah. like the, the Basher science books. I don't know if you've heard of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just some of the other Usborne, like lift the flat books. And then I would search out, you know, any picture books I could find on chemistry or biographies about chemists. So that's I, everything we do kind of goes into this unit study mindset, just sort of naturally for me. Math is probably the one that doesn't fit in as much, but honestly, I don't really, I mean, math is, I don't like plan a unit around math necessarily. Right. Math just kind just of, fit it um, in. yeah. And we play a ton of games. And so there's math in that all the time. So do you, I've looked at some of the Usborne math books. Do you use some of those? Yeah. So a lot of the, um, like younger lift the flat books have been great for my youngest, um, since math is like his favorite thing in the entire world. So, um, lots of counting books for the younger kids. And then, um, I just got, let's see if I can get the title, right. Um, the math of milkshakes. So it's kind of similar to the chemistry of cola. It just came out. Um, so we haven't used it yet, but it's just a lot of different math projects that have to do with, um, things that you can kind of find around your house, not, not anything too hard to like purchase or just grab from your house. So okay. at some point we're going to dig into that one. Um, okay. but no, again, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say again, like for math, that's just going to be, you know, like maybe we pull something here and there. We won't necessarily like have to go through the whole thing or whatever. It'll just kind of be a pick and choose kind of thing. So. Gotcha. 
I was just going to ask the chemistry of Coca-Cola. Is that like, did you have to purchase much to do the experiments there or do you just, is it just the kind of things you have around? Um, some things I had to purchase, but it's mostly just kitchen kind of stuff. Like we um, don't really drink soda in our house. And so I bought a whole bunch of cans of Coca-Cola or big, you know, two liter bottles of Coca-Cola or Mentos for like that experiment or just, you know, like some different random, it's, it's kind of a kitchen chemistry type of book. So nothing okay. was too like crazy or hard to get. It's mostly grocery store or target kind of stuff or whatever. Okay. Um, so pretty easy to piece together. And does it explain, like we've done the Mentos and Coca-Cola before, but then we just do it. Cause it's fine. I don't really explain like the reaction that's going on. Does the book explain things like better than I would be able to? Yes. So okay. There's a lot of like background information, but then with the actual experiment itself, it'll tell you like what's actually happening. Okay. That's Which what I was I mean. like, oh, that's fascinating <laughs> because I, chemistry is not really like my yeah. strength. So I'm like, I'm learning a lot with this here. Yeah. See, that's what I need because I'll send them outside with baking soda and vinegar and like mm -hmm. let them have edit. Like, that's fine. I just don't explain anything to them. And like, they may have a question and I'm like, okay, like, let's look that up. I know it's some kind of chemical, chemical reaction, you yeah. know, I know, like a base and acid and stuff like that. But other than that, I'm not really very good at explaining <laughs> it. And I mean, my eight-year-old, even my four-year-old now, like they just have a lot of questions about things that I don't know a lot about. Mm -hmm. My girls are, have more of the mind that, that I do. And I feel like I'm, I'm, bunch better at explaining things to them. So I wish that we had done this before I placed my Usborne order. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this isn't going to be good for my bank account. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Well, I know you have to go here in like 10 minutes. So um, I think we've talked mostly about all of this. I really, I really like the unit studies. And so I'm going to, um, dig more into that, maybe just like looking through your, your Instagram and I'll put some of that in the show notes. Um, so I'll always ask these questions. So if you could go back to the beginning of your homeschool journey, would you change anything? So I would say the biggest thing that I would change looking back, um, is I would not have joined any sort of co-op or classes for a number of years, just because you know, one, my son was not interested in that. He was more interested in just the friends. So the co-op was okay, you know, for that. But I feel like anything that was not just purely play-based, probably there really wasn't a place for that, you know, in our homeschool at that point. But again, I was still figuring things out. But I think that in my opinion and from our family, I think that that regardless of your kid or their personality, that a very play-based, especially at the younger age, is more important than anything else. And so I wish that I hadn't spent the time, you know, teaching the couple of classes, you know, for one homeschool thing, and he kind of tagged along, you know, but was really too young to get anything out of it. Just really focused on any activities being completely play-based and letting the academic things just be inside of our home at that point. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I love the play-based approach too, which I always have, but with my older two, I was always concerned. I would actually look online and, th and look at like, okay, what, what should they be doing in preschool and what should they, what should they know before they get to kindergarten and things like that. And so I don't do that at all with my younger two. They literally just play. And then yeah. when they want to learn, when they want to start counting, we'll start counting. When they want to do the calendar that's on the wall, we'll do that. So um, I can, I can kind of see, I don't know, I don't know how much of their personality differences or, or me pushing things on my older two that I didn't on my younger two, or right. if that was really like, they were really interested more in mm -hmm. academics than my younger two are, you know, so I definitely um, would have changed some of that too. So when you say, when you say play-based, kind of explain, like, do you mean no academics at all? Or do you mean just if they're interested in, le in learning letters when they're three? Yeah, you know? yeah. So um my approach even then though at home like for preschool was not that it was going to be preschool it was just like okay what are you interested in let's do it you yeah. know kind of and obviously they can't always tell you what they're interested in but they kind of let you know in oh, yeah. in certain ways by what they want to talk about but like my youngest ever since he could talk he's been talking numbers yeah. and it's just like 
who are you? Like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's just really listening to them and, you know, not thinking like, Oh, other four-year-olds are, you know, know their ABCs or can write their name. Like you can always offer things to them or whatever, but like offering it and not saying like, let's do this and just having conversations, you know, so play-based, but letting them take the lead on, on, you know, things because doing the ABCs and numbers and colors and all that can still be very play-based, oh, yeah. but there it's so easy to cross that line into like, I have an expectation because of something the outside world is telling me that I need yeah. to do for my child. So yes, that used to be so difficult for me, especially when you're always, well, it's not, not so much now. Cause now that I have four kids, I just don't really care what anybody else thinks. But when I had one, even two, I did. And especially when you're seeing on Facebook and Instagram, people are yeah bragging about how their two-year-old can count to 100 or their four-year-old is reading a chapter book or things like that. And you feel like you have to live up to those expectations. And it can be, can be really hard, especially as maybe a new homeschooler who's seeing all of that. Yeah. You know? And I, th- and I think with that kind of thing, cause you know, obviously we're proud of our kids and we like to sort of, you know, share the amazing things that they're doing. Cause we're even amazed at times, yeah. but it can sound like bragging and maybe yeah. it is bragging too, but I think just thinking about that, you know, this kid is probably doing that because that is like their interest and their thing that they love, you know, and and your kid might have something else, but that's not how our society really thinks about those things. And so we don't look at it that way, but that's really kind of what it is. So it is. Yeah, definitely. No, I've, I mean, I I said that I'm not trying to like put down those moms because I'm, I will do the same thing too. It's really been a mindset shift for me to realize, oh, that's great. I love that your child is reading a chapter book, you know, like mine's doing this and math and maybe not be reading and that's okay. Like we just have to realize that even as moms, like you have the mom that's good at crafts and the mom that loves to bake with organic ingredients and, you know, and it's okay. We need all of that. And I don't know. I just love like when we can all come together in a co-op or or some kind of setting like that and, and focus on what we can contribute. Yes. You know, (laughs) Which that's been kind of hard yeah. this year with COVID, but yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, okay. I know you love reading, so I want you to talk a little bit about Esborn, but also what are you reading for yourself? Oh, let's see. Um, right now I'm going to forget the title. Um, it's the discovery of witches trilogy. It's the second book. Um, I, I can't remember the title, but it's okay. vampires and witches and it's just fun to kind of get out of the real world for a little bit and read that. Um, and I just finished listening to becoming Mrs. Lewis. Um, I think it's by Patty Callahan. I might get that name wrong. I'm horrible at remembering names sometimes, but, um, I usually have a physical book and an audio book going at a minimum at a time. So, and I'm definitely more of a fiction reader. So that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, and then you asked about Usborne. Um, what do you want me to share about that? <laughs> well, just um, talk a little bit about how you're a consultant and where people can find you and, you know, just whatever you want people to know. So um, I just started uh, as a consultant and an independent consultant for Usborne again here in August. I'd done it once before, but it just wasn't the right time in my life for it. Um, but we've been purchasing the books and using them in our homeschool on a daily basis for at least four years. So it just felt right to do it again. But you can find me on Instagram at book led learning. Um, and then I have an Usborne website, which is a little bit too hard to say on here, but we can share that. Um, I'll share it. It's such a great homeschooling resource. And especially if you need to keep your kids busy while you're reading, <laughs> because little hands need things to do. There's these magic painting books that are amazing, even for my older one, to keep them busy during mealtimes when they think they're done, but everybody else isn't done, or even just while we're reading, because my kids need to be active while they're being read to, to be able to listen. So yeah, um, yeah I don't know. We, yeah. we use the books all over the place. And it's not just because 
you know, I'm selling Usborne books, it's because we actually really believe in the product. So yeah, we have a lot of them. And my kids, when they, well, my younger two, my older two kind of have their series that they're doing that aren't Usborne, but my younger two and my older two, when they were younger, they tend to go for the Usborne books, especially the lift a flap. We have a ton of those. Yes. The shine a light. They really like those. And then I have the ones, I don't know what they're called, but they are, there's one with a car and one with a ladybug and you pull the car back and it kind of yeah. goes around the track. Yeah. Those, we have those are fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my my oldest son, actually both of them, um, there's a, a newer series right now called The 100 Things to Know About, and there's like science, earth, food, human body. They absolutely love that. And there's so many just random facts about those topics that they've, it's like a jumping board for like new interests for them. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this is interesting. I want to go learn more about that. So Yes, we have the yeah. science and history one. Yeah, and I think I got some of the other ones for to put away yes. for Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I'm excited about that yeah. too. Yeah, that's great. Okay. I know we need to go. So just what's like one last like word or like part, piece of encouragement or advice you can give to people? I would say just um, focus on connection in your homeschool. If anything else, focus on the connection because your kids are going to look back and say, you know, when I was having a bad day, mom, you know, didn't make me push through no matter what or whatever, you know, there's been days where we've just gotten in the car because it's a horrible day and we just have to ditch everything else. And we go and get, you know, a treat somewhere and listen to an audiobook, and that's our day and that's it. And that's good enough because that's what they're going to remember is the connection. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Well, thank you so much. You. It was really great to get to know you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. As always, like me on Instagram and Facebook at Transparent Homeschooling. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, Google, and on my pod page. If there's anywhere else you normally listen to podcasts and you'd like to see me there, just reach out and let me know and I will try to get it on there. I'm still new to all of this. I'm kind of learning as I go, but it's been so much fun. So I'd love to be able to offer even more reach out, let me know what you'd like to listen to in the future. And like I said, I have one more episode for this year, and then I'm looking forward to some new things in 2021. And thank you again so much for listening. And I hope to hear from you guys soon. And thank you to Nicole for being on here. It was a real pleasure getting to know you and and just being able to talk to you about this. Bye, everybody.